We are on a series called Love Revolution, and we found out the revolution uh, means that we need a sudden, complete, radical change in our love process. And the Bible tells us in 1 John 2 and 15, love not the world, nor the things that are in the world, because if you love what's in the world only, the love of the Father is not in you. And so what we're doing is we're standing for God's truth in a new norm. And uh, I think the first week we talked about Baal. And, and there are actually three spirits or three small G gods that we can find throughout the Bible. And Baal was one of them. He's, he's a god of power. It's, that's the god that tries to stress us out and tries to get us to do everything we can possibly do in seven days. And God says, no, take one day and rest. Take one day. Uh, in fact, in, in the fields, he told them, work the fields, but on the seventh year, uh, let, the, let the fields rest. There, there was a purpose for rest. Anybody like to take naps? Raise your hand. Then you love that message on that Sunday. And then last week, we talked about the spirit of Asherah, that we can find this small g-god in the Bible. And it was about the, this goddess of sex and what was actually happening in the New Testament. And Paul had to tell them, no, this is not how you behave in church. And so if you missed any of those messages, you can find them online. But this Sunday, I want to talk about a small g-god that you can find in your Bible, and it's mammon. And this is the god of possessions. So you have, there's gods of power, there's gods of pleasure, and there's gods of possessions. And all of these within themselves necessarily aren't wrong unless it's driven by the wrong spirit. And what we want to do today, we want to break the spirit of mammon. And I, I was thinking about this. Who would we want our children to be taught by about finances? Would we want Visa? <laughs> you know, you learn the hard way when you play Visa's way if you're not careful, don't you? Can I get an amen on that one? Do we want the government teaching our children? find that very interesting. No. But the Bible has a lot to say about finances. And, uh, if, and if the church doesn't talk about it, who will? And numbers, numbers are normally easy for me. I, I did really good in, in math. Spelling, not so much. But math I was good at. I got numbers for some reason. Uh, people say a lot of men are really good with, with numbers and not so much spelling. So pray for the men when they write letters. But uh, there was one pastor said his wife also understood numbers. He said she knows what 25% off a pair of shoes means. She said it's a good deal. And she went on to say that she understood what 50% off means. It's free. And he said, how did you get that? And she said, well, it's the same thing as buy one Get one free. So 50% off is free. And then she proceeded to say, and 75% off, you're making money. And he said, he, he thought about it for a moment. Then he said, well, I guess that qualifies you to work for the government. So there we go. So is there a spirit today that's trying to influence us and take us into bondage 
and to hold us captive, and I believe that there is, it, it's messing up marriages, finances can, it, it gives problems, it gives health problems when it's related to finances. Can I get an amen? Have you ever been sick to death of being in debt? Anybody? Honest enough to say amen? We want to we wanna bring out what could be driving individuals uh, that would be enticed or influenced by a spirit of mammon. Let's, let's look in Matthew chapter 6, 24. It's in your handout. If you want to open your handout or if you just want to follow along in your Bible, Matthew 6, 24, or you can look at the screen as well. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. I think this is Jesus talking, and I think that's very interesting that he just comes right out and says it. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And he he says something very interesting here. You cannot serve God and what? Mammon. Luke 16 and 9. He's, He's going to bring out some of this truth again. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? And then he goes on to say again, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And again, it's mentioned again right here. You cannot serve God and mammon. So today I want, I want to ask three questions. And if, you'll, if you're uh, taking notes, write this down. And if you're not taking notes, write this down because it's really good. It's not my words but it's a study about what actually could have a hold of, of different individuals and sometimes even within the church. The first question, what is mammon? What is mammon? And Jesus said you cannot serve God and this thing called mammon. So what is it? Well, mammon is an Aramaic word and it comes from the Syrian god of riches. The Syrian god of riches. And it actually, this word comes out of Babylon. Most of you, when you were young, uh, understand, you know, Babylon is, is, it came from the Tower of what? Babel. That's right. So this is where this word comes from. And Babel means confusion, if you want to jot that down. Babel means confusion. And on, Babylon, the on means sown or planted. So sown or planted in confusion And God is saying, for this God of riches, you cannot serve God and the small g God of confusion. So, I believe that there is a spirit behind the system, a financial system, and it's confused. And if we've ever seen it in our lifetime, it is prevalent today. Because you can't spend more than what you take in. 
and not think it's going to bite you one day. Can I get a good amen? In fact, if if you've ever done any study courses, you realize it's very important that you don't spend more than what you actually make. Otherwise, you're going to be just like the government. And I'm not trying to be funny, but that's what happens. They, they, They have this much money and they spend this much money. So they're going to borrow all this other money so that they can make ends meet. And eventually it will come to a crash. Because it cannot continue. This money system cannot continue this way. And Jesus said, you can't serve God and this spirit of mammon. And he's not talking about money. He's talking about the spirit that rests on money. Now, all money will have a spirit on it. Isn't that shocking? All money can have a spirit on it. It's either a spirit of God or it has the spirit of mammon. And if it has the Spirit of God on it, it is money that has actually been submitted to God and doesn't try to replace God. So how do you get the Spirit of God on your money? And what I find amazing is the majority of our church people have been raised in in church to where they understand about tithing and offerings. And so it's something that I don't necessarily have to speak on all the time because the majority of us, we're good at this, we understand. We understand that this is something we are supposed to do. But Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And so for all of us, and and this goes for uh, Aaron and Zane and uh, my wife Kim and uh, Kaylee, I want us to start changing our terminology. Instead of giving our tithe, I want us to start saying bringing our tithe because this is what the Bible says to do. We bring. Everyone say bring. So we, we bring the first 10% to God, and God says, when you do that, I will redeem the rest of your money and take the curse off of it. Isn't that awesome? Aren't you glad your money's blessed? <laughs> Amen. And what is interesting, that God would use the number 10 and say 10%, because that's what tithe is. It's 10. It's 10%. The number 10 actually stands for redemption. So when you give that first 10% and you bring it into the local storehouse, that's what the Bible says to do, then he reverses the curse that's on the money. I love that about what God does. Studying tithing is so amazing. And some people write it off and say, oh, pastor, tithing is an Old Testament thing. It's, it was under the law. Well, stealing was under the law, and it's still wrong. Murder was under the law. It's still wrong. Adultery was under the law, and it's still wrong. And tithing was under the law, and it's still right. In fact, it was 2,500 years before the law when we first see tithing. In fact, we can actually go back to the Garden of Eden and see tithing because they could eat of all the, the, the trees and the fruits except for a section, a reserved portion of the garden that God forbade them to eat from. And I have to disagree with people that say it's an Old Testament idea because when you look in the New Testament, and, and it's amazing how many people miss this. Look at Matthew 23 and 23. Jesus himself says you ought to tithe. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites! Can you imagine being standing there and Jesus is talking like this? For you are careful to tithe even on the tiniest
tiniest income from your herb gardens. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. And he goes on to say this. You should tithe, yes. But do not neglect the more important things like justice, mercy, and faith. So Jesus says you should tithe. He says it again in Luke 11 and 42. So why would some people fight this so much? And, 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 and again, the majority of us, I understand, but uh, this is such a good study. I want to share this with you. Why would people fight this so much? When Have you ever read the benefits of giving to God? He says, when you bring your tithe into the local storehouse, or when you bring your tithe, and it should come to the local church. This is what the Bible says. He says, I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing on you. There would not be a room enough to receive it. I like that, don't you? Then he says, and, and, it's kind of like, if you call right now, just kidding, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, not for the kingdom's sake, but for your sake. Wow, that's good stuff right there. How wonderful that is, God rebuking the devil for our sakes. Just, that's all for 10%. And from a business standpoint, that's a good deal. And tithers say, I'm so blessed. And non-tithers say, I can't afford to tithe. Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. Because you will never be able to tithe until you tithe. How can I say that? Because tithing breaks the curse. Come on. This is that spirit of mammon that is on our money. It's what redeems our finances under the world's system. God's spirit is on it. And then the devourer cannot wreak havoc on it because it is blessed by God. I gave the first 10% to the house of God. My wife and I, uh, as far as tithing goes, we give more than that. And we just, we, we realize we cannot outgive God, is the bottom line. And God's Spirit rests on our money, and God has made our money go further than what it would have happened if we tried to keep it to ourselves. It's just the way it works. And I, I'll be honest, I can't explain it. All I know that it works because it's God's Word. So mammon is a spirit, and it tries to take the place of God. Mammon will promise you everything. And this is kind of like what Kaylee was saying earlier. And it's only what God can give you. Only God can give you significance. Only God can give you an identity and security and true happiness and joy. I'll tell you something else. Mammon is a spirit and it talks. <laughs> and it talks. If I said we're going to take a second offering right now, you'd start hearing voices. Oh, rats. I've got money in my wallet today to the non-givers. And to the givers, they would say, awesome, i got another chance to bless somebody. And this church is so good. When we take second offerings, and we remember the times when we brought in the pizza delivery people, and we just gave them a, an offering, 
and, and, and one time you gave over $1,000 for a tip. That's what I'm talking about. Boy, it feels good to do it, doesn't it? <laughs> it was amazing. We should do that again sometime. Just shock the fire out of a Pizza Hut delivery person. I love doing that and blessing people. But mammon wants to keep you under a system of thought that it is under the world. And, and it wants to keep you from the truth of the scripture. Mammon talks all the time. And it'll tell you, if I just had the right car, or if I just knew the right people, or if I had this certain house, and if it, it could tell you, like, if you had more money, you could bless more people. And it kind of sounds spiritual, doesn't it? <laughs> but Jesus said, there's a problem here. No one ever came up to Jesus who needed healing for their eyes and said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, well, you just need more money. You don't need more money. You need more God. You need more God. And this spirit tries us to look away from God and look to money as the answer. And I'm going to talk about money a little bit deeper here because we all need it and I get it. But I believe, and, and, and just hold on to your horses. Can I just say this? You, you study for yourself. But I believe mammon is the spirit of the Antichrist. And I want to tell you why. In Revelation chapter 13, it says that he doesn't rule by the threat of nuclear war. He rules by the threat of you can't buy or sell without his mark. Looks like a spirit of mammon to me. In other words, if you don't submit to me, you're not going to be able to provide for your family. No, it is God who provides for his people. Can I get a good amen? So all of this is a lie from mammon, and that spirit wants to keep us in bondage, and this spirit wants us to serve him. Mammon's looking for servants, and God is looking for children. (laughs) God goes on to say, you'll be loyal to one and despise the other. I think it's interesting, it actually can be disguised in the church, and let me tell you how. How many has ever heard of something called the prosperity gospel? Raise your hand. The prosperity. You see this a lot on TV evangelists, and they'll say, if, if you give to me right now in the next five minutes, I can promise you, da 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 You'll have, everything will go right in your life, you'll have a new car, you'll wear gold watches, and, and that's, that's the prosperity gospel. But then on the other extreme in churches, you have the poverty gospel, where if you have anything nice, if you wear a gold watch, you must not be spiritual. That must mean you're worldly. So you see the two extremes, where one is if you give me what you've got, then you'll have everything you ever want. And the other one is the poverty, which keeps you suppressed. And a lot of you were raised in churches like that, where it was wrong to have a nice car, or it was wrong to wear a Rolex watch, let's say for an example. And I don't have one on. I don't even know what this one is. It doesn't even say. Oh, well. I got it at Sam's. What can I say? And it works. That's all I care about. But the, the deal is this. is I don't believe that that's correct either. I don't believe that you should have this prosperity mindset or a poverty one because what the Bible speaks of is something that's balanced. And it speaks of the provision gospel. The provision gospel. If you want to write that down, God wants to provide for your family so that you can be a blessing 
Why? It's simply because he loves you. So what's, what's a problem with the prosperity gospel is when the washing machine breaks down and doesn't work anymore, then you get mad at God. Like he's some kind of slot machine. <laughs> and, and this is Christians despising God because God's not doing what they were told that he would do. And God, God doesn't say, in fact, God says, you're going to have trouble in this world, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So we know that not everything is going to be all right, so the prosperity gospel isn't all correct, and the poverty gospel is not, it's not correct at all, because God does want to bless his people. I mean, God blessed the children of Israel from not having enough in Egypt to just enough with the manna going to Cana, which was more than enough. This is what God does. So what is in between all of this? A provision gospel. So mammon is a spirit, and it tries to get us to think the world's way about money. It tries to get us to love money. So number two is, is the question, is money evil? Is money evil? Because when you read the scripture, it talks about unrighteous mammon, unrighteous mammon. A better translation of that is money that's used for unrighteous purposes. And that, that's really what unrighteous mammon is. Riches used for unrighteous purposes. And if you want to write this down, money is not evil. It is neutral. Money's neutral. <laughs> it can be used for good or it can be used for evil. And some people say, ah, preacher, money is the root of all evil. Well, let's, let's read what the word says. 1 Timothy 6 and 10. For the love of money. Everyone say, the love. We need a love revolution. We, we need a sudden, radical, complete change. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So it's the pursuit that was wrong. It's like a heart issue. Look at Luke 16 and 9. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Now, I I used to think that that scripture meant... uh, to use your money to make friends so that when you're broke, maybe some of you thought that too. But actually the word fail there means die, so that when you die. So what is, what is the word trying to say here? What, what is Jesus saying? He says, take your riches and you use it for kingdom purposes. It helps to save the lost. And they will become your friends. They will, not it will. It says they will become your friends. And when you die, they will welcome you into an everlasting home. So the the money that you have given for missions and the money that you've given for outreach and the money that you've given to this church so that we can reach out and bless individuals is is a process where God will take that and, and save lost people. And so when they die and they go to heaven and you die and you go to heaven, then they will receive you gladly into your everlasting home. And I believe that that's what that scripture means. So number two, money is not evil. 
and I think it's pretty, pretty incredible, God is the only one that can turn money into souls. No one else can do that. I love that, don't you? And here's the last one. What should I do with money? Well, obviously, you should be a good steward. Like I said, you can't spend more than what you make or you're going to get in trouble. Can I get a witness in the house on that one? One more time, thank you. And some of you might be thinking, well, pastor, I appreciate this message. But to be honest with you, I have too little of this unrighteous mammon to be concerned about this message right now. And one day, when I get a lot of money, I'll come back to this message and I'll listen to you. If you buy into that lie, you will never have much. You just won't ever have much. Satan is trying to tell you, you don't have much, so it doesn't matter what you do with it. And and that is totally a lie. And and let me remind you, give 10% to God up front, then give 10% to yourself in your savings for retirement, at least 10%. And if you're a young person, please listen to me today and hear this preacher who's 61 years of age, who's, who's starting to look closer and closer to a retirement age. I mean, not the second, but eventually. And there's... Hey, sweetheart, how are you? Good to see you. <laughs> Someone just waved at me. I love you. You're awesome. So... She's sweet. I love her. So here's the deal. You, you give God what's his and, and, and you bring it. You bring it to him. And then you save 10% for your future for retirement and live on the 80%. Okay? Because if you don't start saving for your retirement, you're not going to have anything to retire on pretty much. I mean, if you're, if you're looking for Social Security... And who knows how long that's going to last. Aren't you glad you came today? <laughs> so what we've got to do, we've got to start tithing now on the little that we have so that God will continue to redeem the rest of our money. In other words, if you don't tithe, the Bible says that you actually rob God. And he says in tithe and in offerings, you rob God. To your neighbor and say, don't be a robber. Don't be a robber. Folks, this is God's word. It's not my word, so don't get mad at me. The Bible says that God said, the people of Israel have stolen from me in Joshua chapter 7. Stolen from me. I would hate to be in that category, wouldn't you? Tithing is returning back to God. The Bible says, bring the tithe So bring the tithe into the local church. You cannot give what doesn't belong to you. Can I say that again? You cannot give what doesn't belong to you. And if you're taking notes, this is the fill-in. Tithing is not giving, but bringing. You can bring it or you can steal it. Let me give you an illustration. This is our worship pastor over here. Justin, stand up. Let everybody see you. Wave. I'm going to give an illustration. Just stand there for a minute. Now, Justin and his wife are going to go on a three-month vacation around the world, let's say. Justin said, I received that. He and his wife are going on a three-month vacation around the world. And and my car has been breaking down and acting funny, so I got to put it in the shop. So I go up to Justin and I say, Justin, hey man, uh, I really... 
I uh, want to do something nice for you. My car is, is going to be in the shop. Would you mind if I borrowed your car and took you to the airport, and that way you don't have to go and you know, park it for three months. Let, let me take you and your wife on your three-month excursion, and, and then uh, when you come back, I'll come pick you up. So they go for three months. They come back, and I, I pick him up, and I, I put him in his driveway, and I, and I tell him this. I said, Justin, my wife and I have been praying, and we want to give you this car. Justin would look at me and said, Pastor, you're losing it. That's my car you've been driving. And, and this is kind of like what happens when we want to give God our tithe. God says, you're not giving it to me. You're returning it. And that's what I was doing. I was simply returning his car back to him that he let me borrow for a season. It was all his to begin with. How can I pray and say, I want to give this to you when it wasn't mine to give? No, I'm returning it or I'm bringing it back to Justin because it was his. Because a lot of times when we say, God, I want to give you the tithe, God looks at us and goes, you're losing it. (laughs) You're only returning it to me. And when you return it to me, it shows that you have faith on your part that God is going to bless the rest and redeem from the world system that could be on your finances, and it breaks the spirit over your life. Look at Luke 16 and 12. And I'm closing with this, this concept here. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? If you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? And spiritually speaking, you could look at this about the tithe. If you won't bring the 10%, why would I bless the 90? I try to be an extravagant giver. I really do. I try to be an extravagant giver and help people. And even not only in finances, but we have a church garden. And I, I just simply, I just like to be an extravagant giver. I try to help people. And my oldest daughter, Carly, uh, she came up to us a few years ago, about over five years ago, and said she wanted to get married to this young man called Mikey. So being an extravagant giver, I was thinking about my oldest, Carly. And I think we have a picture there she is on her wedding day, and I'm, I'm walking her down the aisle. And I realized that Carly is the most extravagant gift that I've ever given away. And I've got one more to give away. Would you pray for me now? Because it's hard to do that. It's so hard to give them away. But it made it a little bit easier because Mikey was was a good Christian. He, he, he had a heart towards God. And, and he worked for a ministry at a church. And he simply was a good, extravagant giver himself. And so it was easy for me in that aspect to give my most extravagant gift to someone who was not a thief. 
He didn't rob God. It's very easy in that aspect to give away because Carly was my most, and, and, and for Kim and I, of course, we both gave her away. It was our most extravagant gift that we could give, but I refused to give it to a thief, to someone who would rob God. And I think about the spiritual aspect of that as well. Why would God, as Father, give extravagantly to those who rob Him? It doesn't make sense, does it? So I think it's important that we take this to heart. It's, it's, it's just part of this study about the gods of this world that want us to love after them. And that's why I said we need a love revolution. We, we need a sudden, complete change of how we've been doing. And, and what I appreciate, this church is so good about giving. But I, I found this study to be so interesting. And I hope that you did too, because there, there's something about how God blesses us. And I found out that not only does he bless financially, but he blesses in many other ways as well. Have you found that out for yourself? I know that I have. And there's times where we had to put God to the test. He said, test me and see. And we, we had to. And you know, God come through every time. He came through every time for us. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. I'm going to ask you to pray right now and and just my, my message is not to condemn you if you're struggling in this area. My message is to encourage you actually so that you would receive the benefits of, of paying and bringing tithe to God. Giving Him what's already His. It's that bringing into the storehouse and that's hard terminology for me to change in my vocabulary. It's just Today we bring in the tithe. It's something that's already his to begin with. But if I do that, it breaks this small G mammon off the spirit off of my money. And my finances go further. And maybe today, maybe today you're, you're not where you need to be with God or in a spiritual sense. I'm here to tell you, the spirit of Asherah and the spirit of Baal and the spirit of, of Mammon is, is still very much alive on the planet today. And we need a love revolution. We, we need a change because we need to fall in love with God. Riches are good. We don't need more riches, but we need more God. And, and we don't love after money. We, we love after God. See, the concept is different, isn't it? And, and God doesn't always want everything to be perfect because it, it's not. We're, we live under the fall of man and woman. But also, he doesn't want us to be oppressed by not having anything either. And he, he wants our lives to be balanced. And throughout the entire Bible, it's all about balance. You can find balance through everything. The highs and the lows. But he is the God who is strong and steady in between. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray right now. Father, I pray first of all for individuals that may not know you the way that they should or may never really given their life to you 100%. But I just pray right now, Lord, that those that are, are not sure where they are with you, that they would just stop and, and look about them and say, you know what? 
in my Father's house, there's more than what I need. There's love, there's mercy, there's forgiveness. Lord, I pray that they come home to you. And those that that need financial blessings in their life, Lord, that they would begin to take steps of faith and bring the tithe into a storehouse. It's the online giving. It's the text giving. It's the giving live in service. And when we do that, we love God. We love people. And we're able to make a difference in the world. And I'm so thankful. So thankful that you break the curse off of our finances and you bless us. Why? So that we can be a blessing to others. And I love doing that. I love being a blessing to so many others.